This week's podcast brought to you by Heavenly Peas. I was teaching our son how to unclog his own bathroom sink uh, yesterday, and I, I figured I'd, I'd, he could be my apprentice plumber. And so I took off that the little trap under the sink, cleared out the stuff under the sink, and we noticed a gigantic clog, hair, orthodontia rubber bands, all kinds of stuff that gets in a, in a bathroom sink shared by four kids. And uh, so I pulled out from the bottom of the pipe what I could, but then we had to push the rest of it out from the top of the sink after we took the plunger out. So I said to our son, can you think of anything that we could use to push out this clog that isn't our fingers? And he thought about it sincerely for a while and uh, finally said to me earnestly, mom's fingers? Has no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Welcome. Denny is up from the swamps of Jersey today. Denny, good to have you here. Good to be back. Man of many words, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's delivering solid gold material like this all morning, this will have been well worth it. Well, happy post-Memorial Day. Although Memorial Day is one of those holidays where it's weird to tell someone, like, have a good Memorial Day or happy Memorial Day, because, of course, Memorial Day, as someone pointed out to me uh, yesterday, this isn't Veterans Day where we're honoring just veterans. This is Memorial Day where we're honoring those who died in the service of our country. So um, after that, I didn't know if it was still okay to tell somebody to have a happy Memorial Day. Have a solemn Memorial Day. Yeah, have a solemn Memorial Day. But uh, anyway... Happy post-Memorial Day. <laughs> now for you guys, is it the unofficial start of summer? Because I know many people get into Memorial Day and you're like, summer's here, summer Friday. How do you guys normally celebrate Memorial Day? Well, there's not really a begin- beginning to summer in that way. I don't think, like once you have kids, it's summer sort of starts when school gets out. Also, um, when you're a kid, summer starts when school gets out. Right, right. But when you're a middle-aged man, summer starts this past weekend, Memorial Day weekend, when you start conquering your to-do list. And I did that this weekend. I, for the first time in my life, I'm 52 years old, I realized that you can, for instance, clean your car out. You don't have to only clean it out when your lease is up or uh, if one of the kids barfs on the floor mats, which has happened to us, you can take the floor mats out and spray them down. I just realized yesterday you can hose them down preemptively like that, and I did. So it was the start of summer in the sense that all of the, the dirt from your winter boots that are all over the car, I got that out of there. I vacuumed it. I used the shark hand vacuum and got that stuff out Before of there. Before you say some things, do you ever consider how it's going to reflect on you? That you're a 52-year-old man and this is the first time you've ever realized? I, 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 did, I, I, did, I did consider not saying that I'm a 52-year-old man because that doesn't reflect well on well, me. It's not good for I, our I, statistics, our demographics. No, I no. mean, I, I don't know how many times a year I clean, clean out the van and um, vacuum it, clean it, the whole deal. And 
not as often, but I frequently clean out your car too. And and I have to say both of these things are sort of what I would consider man jobs that you should be doing this whole time that, but there's no part of you that's self-conscious that you just said for the first time in your life, you cleaned out the car no, when it wasn't just because, because the lease was due. <laughs> I was still thinking of what Denny said about, about our demographics and I, and I have news for Denny. I cleaned that car out after I got the car serviced earlier in the week and I was in the waiting room at the car service center and I was the youngest person by 15 years in the place and I only mention it because the TV the remoteless TV in the tiny waiting room was blaring my little pony at about 40 decibels or 40 volume 40 and you know how that you can't ever change that TV right you can't change the volume you can't change the channel and it always has to be on nobody was interested in that nobody was looking at it uh, it's usually some uh, courtroom judge show that's blaring. Yeah, what, what off, is the deal? Why? Why? What's uh, the deal? I'm, I'm, what is the deal with these airplane peanuts? Exactly. I'm surprised it was on My Little Pony. Well, going back to summer being here, when I was a kid, absolutely, when school got out, that was the start of summer. And both of my parents were teachers. So for them, the same feeling. They were always excited when school got out because that meant they had three months off. Well, I have to say now that I'm an adult and have children, and I'm not a teacher. I don't always love that school's out because now I've got four kids at home all day, and our older two are, you know, they're pretty good. They are not bickering as much as, as they used to, but it, it used to be when, when school let out, the kids would be here for about a week, and then I would start looking at, like, basketball camps and other kind of camps to put them in because our kids don't get along all that well. Um, with each other or with with people out there or with us and so it's just so different you know when when i think about you know summer being here when i was a kid my parents yes you know we get a break part of me is like oh geez what am i gonna do to keep these children busy and from bickering what am i gonna do to keep them from bickering that's that's a big part of what my brain goes to when summer gets here it was also the official start of summer in the sense that on sunday night our kids Sports were canceled over the weekend, but one of our kids' friends had a baseball game that wasn't canceled or was scheduled, and they played under the lights at a nearby park, and three of our four kids went, and they, those kids, they didn't watch more than a second of the baseball game, uh, a baseball game of fourth and fifth graders, but they did run around the parking lot with uh, playing catch, throwing a Frisbee, daring each other to look into the porta potty because there was something horrific in there and generally behaving like I would have 40 years ago behaving as a like kid kids in the summertime absolutely yeah meanwhile our, our oldest daughter went to a friend's house and um, didn't call us on a rotary dial phone but did text us that could she stay later she had ridden her bike there and they were now watching jaws at at 10 p.m on a holiday weekend course they think jaws is hilarious and cheesy and and it's kind of a, a comic movie now to them but but i thought this is as close to a 70s night as you can get in 2019 for a kid it was also close to a 70s night for me and i'm talking about me in my 70s because i had red-eyed home and landed that morning it, it, it was a red eye. I usually can sleep on the red eyes. I did not sleep well on this one. I was exhausted. And so while you were with the kids under the lights at that game, I was pretty much in a coma at 7 or 7.30 p.m. So yes, it was a 70s night for me as well. Well, 
my to-do list didn't end with the car, though the car was, uh, I'm proud of that. And I, I, I should call it like pride of ownership week because I realized that this is our house. We, we're allowed to take care of it. You know what? Our yard, we're allowed to, we're allowed to, to pull the weeds in the sidewalk. Um, I'm now making the kids, by the way, wear those open house booties when they get into my car. So it's not to take any more dirt into it. But when, when I'm just curious, does does your to do list now include doing that to my car? No, okay. really, the whole thing was just an excuse to say <laughs> open house booties. So, um, but uh, but I went to Lowe's yesterday, or I went to a one of those big box uh, home improvement places yesterday, and got and it, I don't know why this gives me such joy, but I got a one of those uh, I think they're called corn brooms. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I it's do. Like, like it's like a like wicked the witch straw broom. brooms, yes, right? Yeah, the the kind that um, witches fly on in real life or in movies or in cartoons, whatever. And and I just love I love those. Th- I love sweeping with those things. I always envied like the proprietor of a of a New York deli when they're standing out front with the with the corn broom sweeping back and forth and maybe hosing down the sidewalk. I want to hose down my sidewalk. Do you? I do. <laughs> Well, uh, since you went to one of those big box stores, that, that reminds me, we talked a few weeks ago about how you had gone to the store and bought a package of three flappers to replace the one that wasn't working in the toilet. toilet. Flappers. And, yeah. And even though it was one size fits all, it did not fit our toilet. Did you say and, one size fits all? <laughs> one size maybe, fits all. Maybe that was my problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, perhaps, I don't know if that's what my mouth said, but yes, one size fits all. So anyway, I had mentioned how you had put the remaining two flappers you just sat them on the shelf that's in the bathroom, like right on top of the candles that kind of look pretty in there. So after being in there for a couple of weeks, I took the two flappers and put them on the chair in your office as a subtle way of saying, these no longer belong on the pretty shelf in the bathroom. Can you do something with them? And then later that day, I came to sit at my desk to get work done and you had put the flappers on my office chair. So <laughs> thank you very much. You didn't even bother to try to return those. You can't return those because you took one out of the package of three when you they, went to the big box store. They they don't look uh, they they look askance at used toilet flappers when you try to return them. Yes, <laughs> we weren't just doing routine maintenance on our own home, though we were doing that. I I actually mixed a solution of bleach and water and scrubbed down our our outdoor furniture. I don't think that should go unacknowledged, but. Uh, be that as it may. We also did routine maintenance on uh, city parks. We did do routine. I would only I would say it's not routine. It was uh extra special maintenance on city parks. We went our son had a baseball game last week and uh there's this cute little half court at the at the park and it has a basketball hoop and the net on the basketball hoop was pretty much in tatters. And uh, and I knew we were going to be coming, going back the next night for another game for our son and um, decided that I'm going to replace this net. And you had you went out that day. It was when you got the car serviced and you brought home two brand new nets, one for the hoop in our driveway and one for the hoop at the park where our son was going to be playing. That night we went back and we changed the net. I posted it on my Instagram my Rebecca Lobo Promise 50 Instagram. I did not post it on our ball and chain Instagram, but I can do that too. But I felt like we made the world a better place, bringing the ladder and the net and 
replacing the one that was there. Didn't you feel just a little bit better about yourself after we did that? I think you need to become like the Johnny Appleseed of, of basketball nets and go to around from park to park and, and replace the nets. It's not an expensive thing to do. Nets are not expensive. The biggest hassle is being able to you know, get a ladder or stand on your car if you can even get the car on the court or however you would do it to get up to 10 feet to to replace the net. But it makes such a difference. You can go from a, a, a hoop that's basically unusable. If there's no net on it at all, that that hoop is is almost impossible to use, you know, especially if you have a swish, it's going to go through. It's going to be hard to get the ball back. There's nothing worse than the double rims and no net. And no net. And so... Um, it's almost impossible to score in the double rims in the first place. But when you finally do, the only way you can do it is is with a, what would have been a swish. But there is no swish when, when it just goes through. And then you don't even know if it was, if, you don't even if know it was if it the perfect in. shot or an air ball. So, yes. Yeah, so that's what we need to do is I, I need to find out if I can buy nets in bulk. I'm sure I can. And just always keep a supply of them in the back of the minivan in case I we're at a park where our kids are playing softball or baseball and it needs a new net. And that, either a that ladder. That could be our calling. You also need a ladder or a second person on whose shoulders you can get. Yes. So if you're if you're at a local park, it could be anywhere in the world, and you see Rebecca Lobo on the shoulders of somebody presumably much shorter installing a net, you'll know that she and, – and, and our, our eight-year-old said when you were putting the net up, she said to me at the game – don't you need to like fill out forms or something to put something in a park? And I said, I'm sure you do, but we haven't done that. This is like reverse vandalism, it felt like. Like, and is somebody going to come bust us for doing this? Just so you know, if I'm with a shorter person and one person needs to go on the other's shoulders to put the net up, I would probably put the shorter person on my shoulders. <laughs> that just seems like the better way to do it, doesn't it, Denny? <laughs> you guys always talk to me about side hustling, but this sounds like a hell of a tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember, I'm just thinking, of our son was yesterday was riding around on, on our dog, and I said, okay, now it's a dog's turn to ride around on you. It always makes me think of the probably 25 years ago when Conan O'Brien was doing in the year 2000 on his old NBC show, and uh, he did it in the year 2000, a, a, an army of uh, an army of apes on horseback will be put down by an army of horses on ape back. <laughs> and uh, just the word ape back has always made me laugh. I wonder if if uh, if I could find some public funding, you know, write a grant for park beautification. I could probably get some sort of money to buy these nets because uh, because it, it definitely beautifies the park. When Steve inevitably makes his run for the presidency, because I think we all know that that's why this podcast exists, <laughs> is to build in increasing public support. That could be... It could be the um, platform. Yeah, your platform, your, uh, you know how like the Obamas were concerned about kids eating healthy? The Russian Lobo ticket can be about replacing nets in public like, parks. Like a chicken in every pot, a net on every rim? I like that. Very much. Well, you know, we're talking about my uh, my... I've always been handy, as as listeners know, and as Rebecca full know, fully well knows. Um, but I've, I think I've stepped it up this past weekend with my domestic kind of omnicompetence. Would you agree with that? I was really proud of you yesterday with the amount of stuff that you got done um, in the house. Yes. Okay. Well, this is all just a prelude to. People have been uh, have asked in the in since our last podcast or the podcast before when I've talked about ironing. Shirts, the school uniform shirts. I do that on Sunday nights often. and uh, But I revealed to you last week for the first time that 
I get the iron down by yanking on the cord. It's on the top shelf of our closet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the iron comes like an acme anvil directly at my at my noggin and I have to I have to duck or or protect myself. And um I'm not going to get into the viewer mail yet, but we did get a Twitter um, correspondent last week, Gail, who who writes, I too have dropped an iron on my head, Steve. It was in college and stored my iron on a high shelf. I reached for it. It slipped from my hands. I called my mom and she said she too had dropped an iron on her head in college. So you, meaning me, are in good company. And then somebody else asked, how do I get the iron back on the top shelf of the closet? And it is by jumping up, and at some point you have to let go of the iron just a few inches and, and trying to get it to land straight up and down on yeah. the top shelf. Just yesterday, I put the iron on the top shelf, and this part is a little confusing to me because I have to go up on my toes a little bit, but I have no problem putting the iron there and taking it down. And since you're a little bit taller than me, I guess that just means that like all good basketball prospects i just have a uh, tremendous wingspan so it must be my the length of my arms that allow me to do something that you are unable to do even though you're taller than me but all of this talk is making me think it's time for me to stop putting the iron on the top shelf and i'll put it somewhere else where you don't have to go through all of these gymnastics in order to put a crease in a pair of slacks tremendous wingspan would be a great name for a basketball player wouldn't it Tremendous yeah. wingspan. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's one of the uh, one of the words. If you're watching the NBA draft, if Jay Billis says tremendous wingspan, I believe that's part of a drinking game where you take a swig or two every time he says. I think it's, I think it's tremendous, tremendous upside. upside. That's yes. right, tremendous upside. But there's something also that with the wingspan. What you guys just laid out here seems like kind of one of those you know like ABC summertime game shows. Around the house Olympics, where you put things out of reach and people need to find whatever way to accomplish the task. Some sort of a scavenger hunt plus degree of difficulty in getting the task done. I think that's a good idea. We were talking about you taking your car to get it to get it serviced. And oftentimes when you take your car to get it serviced or if you valet park your car somewhere, one of the things that they do is they turn your headlights from automatic to off. And, you know, you and I don't ever consider... Why do they do that? I don't know. But you and I don't ever think about, all right, it's dark now. It's time to turn my headlights on, which is something our parents thought about every time they got in the car when we were kids. But anyway, that same night that you had taken the car to get serviced, you and I were both at one of our kids' games, but it had arrived separately in, in different cars. And we're driving home, and it's kind of twilight. It's getting dark. And I noticed that your lights were not on. I was behind you and your taillights. The running lights were not on. So anyway, I started flashing the high beams, or not even flashing the high beams, turning my lights on and off, flashing, flashing, my, flashing the, head, uh, the high beams, flashing the high beams. Anyway, because we had spoken about this on the podcast, that when people flash their lights at you, you either know, one, there's a police car ahead, or to turn your headlights on. So I figured when you saw me doing this with the lights that you would have remembered that we just spoke about this on the podcast and you turned your lights on. Anyway, you didn't. So as we continue to drive, at one point we got on a side street and you pulled over and I pulled up next to you and your question was, is my fly down or something? (laughs) Because as if that's why I would be flashing the headlights at you. In in which case we would have both been flashing other motorists. (laughs) Right. 
So anyway, I said to you, no, but your headlights aren't on. It's dangerous. Turn them back on. But I just like that you roll the window down as I pull up next to you. I've for the last mile been turning my lights on and off, flashing my high beams. And your question is, is my fly down or something? <laughs> so you would you would want to run me down and pull me over if that were the case. Right. I gotta say, you know, being 25, I know I, I sometimes like to come in here and, and and offer a bit different perspective with your and, with your backward baseball cap yes, and your exactly. and your uh, and, my, and, my, and his headphones and your lingo his that I, and my long flowing locks. Yeah, no, uh, and your cutting edge Ray Ban uh, sunglasses. <laughs> I come in here look, looking like Scott Boris and that whole Miami yes. Vice look. So it, it's funny that you mentioned the whole fly situation because. You know, 25 is the first year in my life where I've started to notice that that running as long as I used to has gotten more difficult working out. You know, things require a little bit more effort. It's At 25? Like, yes. Like, hold on. I Let's let him finish and okay. then we'll go I in can't, on him. I can't eat disastrously anymore. I've had, got to have some accountability for my actions. One of the more surprising things that I've noticed at 25 is the complete incompetence of, of myself to... Zip your fly? Yeah, to, to zip my fly. To, to like, remember on to the zip regular, it? Like, or? on the regular, I'm a man just walking around with life blowing in the breeze. And this is, is this something that happens as you get older? You forget mundane things, and next thing you know, you're just walking around and people are giving you the side eye? Um, well, there's a couple things that we need to get into here, Denny. One of them is... Um, While you're giving them the side fly? <laughs> oh, good heavens. That you're you're feeling your body, you know, not responding the way it used to at the age of 25. I'll say this to you, Denny. Come back and talk to me when you wake up one morning and have to go to physical therapy for a month because of vertebrae or something's out of whack and you've done nothing other than sleep. When you wake up injured from doing nothing other than sleeping, then we can you can come back and have this conversation. And the second thing I'm going to say is this. I'm much, much older than you. And... I always remember to zip my fly if I have a fly. Steve, actually, I, and and the flies of others, if she noticed that. that, they, <laughs> that I wish somebody mom, would do that. I a, wish somebody would do as that. a mother, just discreetly walk up to you on the street and and zip your fly. As a mother, I think I have at least my own children. I I, I would um, unsolicited by them help them zip their fly. But I, I think that might be a problem to you that has nothing to do with age because even Steve, who's absent-minded about a lot of things, that's one thing you remember. You tend to zip your fly. Although I, I have to say, it, it may not be a function of age. We were in mass a couple of weeks ago. Rebecca, you were out of town. I was with the kids and a couple of pews in front of us. One of the kids had his pants on backwards. The fly was zipped. <laughs> But the drawstrings were in the back. How old was the kid? He was probably five. Okay, so probably just starting to dress himself regularly. So that's, uh, or maybe just a throwback to crisscross. Do you remember crisscross? Like jump, crisscross will make you want to jump, jump. No, the 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 hip hop group crisscross, and they'd wear their clothes backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They predate Denny's existence on Earth, and they only lasted a short time. But hold on, you guys like to get on me for being young. I no, no, that, I don't get it. I'm not getting you know, on you for being young. Uh, I'm, I'm pointing how, out a fact. Here's how I know that you know, age is starting to, to creep up, and I know <laughs> take you guys look at this with complete get the heck out of uh, the guy out of this basement. But I, I feel like once your music tastes have their own select station, absolutely, on Sirius XM, you know it's coming sooner rather than later. Which is your station? Pop Rocks. Pop Rocks Channel 17. I listen to that. I like that a lot as well. But they already had your channel. They have, you know, the 2000s channel. 
Um, you know, that's sort of Britney Spears to, I don't know, where the cutoff is, no doubt, kind of oeuvre. So I want to revisit this a little bit with you, Denny. So um, you can't just eat the same garbage that you ate before. Why do you, you know, maybe that's why you're fly. You forget to zip it. Maybe your pants are getting a little tighter because you can no longer eat what you ate before. Or It's funny. It's like the opposite. But that's a whole different story for a different conversation. No, I just, you know, like, well, like, I haven't been able to eat fried food since I was 18. So that kind of sucks. But, no, it's like you got to have. Especially growing up in New Jersey. Right. Where it's mostly fried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like New Jersey and Wisconsin. I picked the two Boardwalk places fair, exactly. in life to live that have the two worst uh, food for you. No, but it just takes more effort to burn. Uh, not to- calories, because I'm definitely not watching calories. I'm not there yet. I don't have a Fitbit. But I definitely think that... You just buy, you feel a little bit different than yes, you used to. Yes, I Denny- was. Then he's still young enough to raise his hand when he wants to talk in this conversation that we're recording right. now, which I appreciate. Well, that just makes me think. I was watching recently a interview of an actor, and I don't remember who it was. And he was talking about he was on um, one of the morning shows, and he was saying how he was he was hungover from two nights prior to that. And he said that's one of the things about getting older is that you know you just can't handle things like you used to. You used to be able to have some alcohol, wake up the next day, and have you know no problem. And he was hungover from two nights before from drinking margaritas and i was thinking well no and i was thinking that that how true that is in that i'll wake up hungover after having had no alcohol (laughs) and it'll be like because i've traveled or i haven't gotten enough sleep or i've gone between time zones and and other people i'm sure hopefully can attest to this you wake up feeling hungover the exact same feeling of a hungover hangover after not having a sip of alcohol. So that's that might be that's in your future to too. To. Yes. I, There's a lot to look forward to. I woke up hungover this morning at four forty six AM. There was a loud crash. Uh, I didn't know if if, if uh, a commando unit had crashed through our window downstairs and into the house. I didn't know what was happening. It turns out uh, in my sleep, thrashing about, I had my pillow had knocked over the metal water bottle on my nightstand that was on top of a stack of books. And it knocked it past the carpeting onto the little strip of wood flooring and made such a racket that it woke you up, woke me up, and I didn't go back to sleep after 4.46 a.m. And um, and that's that's what a hangover consists of at 52. Now, the beauty is we have plenty of listeners out there saying, as you say to Denny, oh, just wait till you're my age. And I say to you, just wait till you're my age. This keeps going down the line of people who are older saying, just wait till you're my age. So my dad next week turns 85, and, uh, and you know, he would be laughing at these, at these maladies of, of people in their 40s and 50s, much less their 20s. Very true. One of the kids pointed out, riding around in the minivan this week, that, hey, mom, this back row side window is shattered and and there's actually a large hole, a porthole that I'm looking out, and we have no idea how that window got shattered. In you... our, on our few months old minivan, and this is the. And it wasn't it wasn't like a little pebble had kicked well, off a truck. It was somebody like 12th... bashed it with a with a heavy object. This is the twelfth year, or or maybe longer, that we've owned a minivan, and this is the first time we've ever had um, one of the windows be shattered. And as I was looking at it and realizing, yeah, this there's no way this was from a pebble, you know, being spat up by another car and, and cracking the windshield. Somebody either 
dropped something on the wind, not the windshield, but the side window. Somebody either dropped something on it and broke it um, or intentionally broke it. And um, who does that? I, I mean, don't I, know. I don't I'm, know. I'm willing to believe that nobody did it intentionally. I have, you know me, I'm a, I'm a. Uh, but I think whoever did it was aware that they did it um, because right, it absolutely. had to have been hit. So and I'm saying that, whoever, whoever does it, how do you walk away from that? Right. At least leave a note. And I don't even care so much about your insurance paying for it instead of my insurance paying for it. I just wasn't aware of it until later that day when it was then too late to call and order the new piece of glass to put in the, the car it just be in then a holiday weekend it just became a huge nuisance that that is still a nuisance because it's not getting fixed till tomorrow but if you're going to shatter my window just leave a note on the friday before a holiday on the friday weekend. before a holiday weekend just leave a note please and again it's not because i want your payment i just want to don't even write your name just say look your your window shattered or whatever it's going to be i don't know that was um because you, you, would, you would have been perfectly happy if somebody had left a note that said, look, your window yeah, shattered. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have been. But I, I am curious how it happened. It definitely happened because somebody dropped something into the window. Um, I'm just curious as to where and when that occurred. Then you're here in person. You don't have to email us to ask us questions from the Curiosity Shop. I'm curious if you've come bearing questions in person. Uh, from the Curiosity Shop. Yes, I do come bearing gifts. When the spawn meets wood. It's nice that I got these questions in before we started recording, so we're already coming out ahead this week. First question. The talk of Twitter, NBA sports media, has been Drake's sideline behavior in the Eastern Conference Finals. Heck, he even gave Coach Nick Nurse a back rub. My question's a two-parter. Number one, how do you feel about Drake's sideline behavior? And number two, more passionate fan, Drake or Spike Lee, who you got? No, I've never had an, an odd uh, experience like that while playing. I never noticed anything super odd like yeah, that. Yeah, you did have, uh, who were the, uh, we're talking about Denny's musical tastes. Um, who were the, the, the creme de la creme of, of New York music world uh, people who came to Liberty Games uh, when the league launched? Um, people who had season tickets, like Rosie O'Donnell had season tickets back in those days, She and she would bring a bunch of her friends. She was a big uh, Liberty fan. William Baldwin, Billy Baldwin would come to games. Uh, Spike Lee would come sometimes. Gregory Hines, the tap dancer um, and actor and everything else, was a, he would come, not only come to a bunch of games, he would wear his Teresa Weatherspoon jersey, and it was too like too small it was it was in those days that's when people wore enormous jerseys he would have fit in well to 2019 because it was a snug fitting Teresa Weatherspoon jersey he would have on Tyra Banks came um and would Joan sit courtside Joan Jett was a season ticket holder um so there was uh back in those days there was we had a nice little celebrity row going on uh at the garden oh yeah it was Drake big fan of Doris Burks right Drake wore the shirt woman crush Wednesday with Doris Burks face on it to a game a couple of years ago, um, which was interesting because the next day you could go online and buy one of those exact same shirts. But uh, yeah, Drake, a huge Doris Burke fan. But what are your um, thoughts on fans interacting with the game if they have courtside seats? Like they pay a lot of money. What kind of access should they be limited? Do they pay a lot of money or do they pay any money? That's a good question. He does have a lot. He did have a locker in the Raptors locker room. before. I I think that may be a, a, a bridge too far. The a locker little. in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, bizarre. as much as you may have liked Gregory Hines, you wouldn't have wanted to dress next to him, <laughs> right. surely. Well, this is an interesting thing because I remember um, 
in in college basketball, the fans actually seem to have a little bit less access. I remember one of my early games in the WNBA, we we're out in Sacramento for warmups and there were kids lining all, every side of the court at, you know, you're out there trying to warm up and they're trying to get pictures and autographs and all those sorts of things. And I remember actually having this conversation with um, one of my teammates. I don't know if it was Spoon or maybe Sue Wicks or whoever saying somebody could easily, if they wanted to, during a game, you're inbounding the ball, just stand up and stab you. Like there, there's not a whole lot of barrier between you and the fans. It happened to Monica Sellis in right, the tennis match. Right, exactly. So um, – I would never liked if I was inbounding the ball or something like the, the thought that a fan could reach out and touch you or whatever. But, you know, if, if they reach their hand out as you're running down the floor, you can give them fives. OK, great. But it is a weird feeling, especially with your back to a bunch of people, knowing that they could have very easy access. And uh, if if they weren't friendly to you, that could be a problem. Fortunately, courtside seats have become so expensive. Seats to anything have become so expensive that... Um, that it's uh, it may be a bigger investment than they care to make to to assault you, Rebecca, as you're inbounding the basketball. Yeah, well, I mean, I never really thought somebody would want to do that, but the thought as we're you know either winning by a lot or losing by a lot in a game, and and you're sitting on the bench next to your teammates just waiting for the game to end. You these are the sort of things that you start talking about. You know, it'd be really easy for that guy over there if he wanted to to just stand up and stab <laughs> stab us stab during the me. game. Next question. Mackenzie Bezos is pledging to give half of her fortune to charitable causes after her divorce from Jeff Bezos. If you had the means to, what would you give half of your fortune to? You know, I actually thought of this today when I read about the um, read, read about that. And viewers should know we have no we have no we're no more privy to Denny's questions than they are. Denny springs these on us, and um, the first thing I thought of when I was reading that story this morning was one nice thing about being, having, I mean, God bless her for pledging half of her thirty-eight billion. That still leaves you with nineteen billion. What you know? How you couldn't spend that? But the uh, the zillionaires who have purchased, like their local newspaper, Glenn Taylor in Minneapolis, John Henry in Boston, Bezos himself owns the Washington Post. It would be nice, not in an egomaniacal way or a controlling way, but it would be nice to purchase one of those publications and and keep it afloat. Repurchase Sports Illustrated and keep Absolutely. that well, it was, afloat. Well, it was sold a, yesterday. That's what made me think of it. Right. I would, uh, Denny. I would fund an army of people with nets that could go to <laughs> all of the parks all over the country and all over the world. And put up fresh nets on the basketball hoops that most desperately need them. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to the expense of putting up fresh basketball hoops themselves in places that don't have them. With your, with your nineteen billion, I'm, I'm, no, I'm portraying you, you as a hypothetical monster because of the way you're, you're spending your hypothetical you nineteen would, billion. You would start with the nets, and then, and then if, if the courts needed to be done or they needed new backboards, you could also do that sort of thing. But I'm telling you, that could have as much of a positive impact on a community as your newspaper could. It, it could not, but it I, could. I, I don't think it's, it's not a zero sum game. You can have the nets, and you can have the, the newspapers. In our hypothetical. In our hypothetical billionaire's universe. Should we get to viewer mail? I don't know. How, what, where are we in the show? Yes, it's time okay. to go to okay. viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. 
Brian writes, Dear Mark Lobo's aunt and uncle. Well played, Brian. Uh, quick question. How do you get the iron back on the shelf? I alluded to this earlier in the show. Why do I picture one of you with his back to the shelf and flinging it over his shoulder similar to Magnus von Magnus flinging an Acme anvil over a bar in the World's Strongest Man competition? I believe, Brian, you're referring to Magnus Vermagnuson, Icelandic strongman Magnus Vermagnuson, uh, usually tossing a caber or rolling a tractor tire up a hill. Um, that's pretty much the way I do it, though. I'm not sure who, who the other him is in this in this closet that I share with you, Rebecca. But uh, by the way, in the first few unsuccessful attempts, I picture you getting bonked with the iron like Wiley Coyote, complete with lumps on your head. Keep potting, Brian. Brian, that's exactly, that's I'm not kidding. That's exactly how it happens. Our BNC foreign correspondent, Andy, is back from Scotland. He has sent us pictures. So there's nothing better than pictures on um, on the radio of his travels to um, to Balmoral. Queen Elizabeth's getaway in, in Scotland, Balmoral Castle, and I think it's pronounced Dune, D-O-U-N-E, Castle, where Monty Python and the Holy Grail was filmed. So thanks for that. Let's get to uh, let's get to the viewer mail proper. Dear Rebecca and Steve, hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. Finally, some sun and warmth for Connecticut. Once again, I find myself uh, writing to you while I'm sitting in Bradley Airport. Rebecca, you may have been there while she was composing this. She had an Uber to the airport. The front axle was ready to split in two every time we went over a bump. The car couldn't go over 60 on the highway without a serious shimmy that felt like being made into a milkshake. But I made it. The blasting Christian rock was perhaps the saving grace of the ride. We talked about the iron falling on my head, and I, I solicited domestic mishaps from, from viewers. You asked about kitchen mishaps, she writes. It was 4th of July weekend, and of course I was running late from work. I rushed home. Matt, West Hartford Matt, was waiting. I went into our place rushing around because I wanted to get to the on the road to Vermont. I cut an avocado in half. I was then holding one half of the avocado, avocado with the pit still in it, my left hand. In my right hand, I had a steak knife. I think you can see where this is going. And I was like, like I always did at the time, stabbing the pit to remove it. You do this, Rebecca. It always strikes this. me as ludicrously dangerous. Don't you? No, not anymore. Now I just, I wait for the avocado to be ripe enough. That I just, you squeeze it and the pit pops out. Well, I've always thought it was sort of unnecessarily theatrically violent thing to stab the pit with a steak knife. I, I have I, done that in the past. I do that myself as well. Unfortunately, in my haste, the steak knife slipped off the slick avocado pit and right into my left palm. Blood quite literally everywhere. Ceiling, counter, sink. So rather than rush to Vermont, right, rather than rush to VT, we were rushing to the ER. When you walk in with a bloody kitchen towel, they take you in pretty quick. What I didn't realize at the time, as Matt and I were relatively newly married, was how much he doesn't like blood, needles, etc. He was, of course, stoic and wanting to be supportive and assured me he was okay to come into the treat room with me. We nearly had a second mishap later as he turned nearly white, listening to me talk to the doctors about the tendon, the stitches, the treatment generally. He sat down and I stopped asking the doctors questions and we got through it. However many stitches later, I have since learned how to properly get the pit out of an avocado and we got to Vermont in the end as well, significantly later than we planned. Uh, that's from Carrie. I, I assume Carrie's last name is from West Hartford, since that's her husband's last name, Matt How from West Hartford. How did the blood get on the ceiling? That's a pretty violent stab of the palm. Well, if, more uh, more significantly, what would your reaction be if I accompanied you to the ER, but I, I grew queasy and faint from the, uh, from the uh, sight of blood? Well, if I needed to go to the ER because I just stabbed myself, it, unless it would take too long, I'd probably just call an Uber and tell you I'd let you know how things were going. Well, that's what I was doing when uh, when uh, I got my kidney stone, so that would that's be true. Uh, perfect. John writes, on a school visit to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and it's, cho- it's chocolate world attraction, 
with our middle school age child. I looked for swag featuring their whatchamacallit product that Rebecca mentioned as a favorite. People love that you love the whatchamacallit. Unfortunately, there was only one shelf of boxes of king-sized bars. At least they outranked mounds, and uh, Jolly Ranchers were much better represented among the racks of goods for sale. Coach Oriema would like that. And he encloses several pictures of the swag at Hershey World. And uh, there's just one sad shelf of whatchamacallits below the Kit Kats, but above the uh, mounds bars. And I did a little research, and uh, whatchamacallits were introduced in 1978, reached their peak of popularity in the 80s when you were coming of age, as it were. And they're sold as special crisps in Canada. So that may be what Drake is eating at the Raptors games. They're still the, the most delicious candy bar out there. Our kids, once we finally bought them a Whatchamacallit bar and tried it, were talking about how glorious and delicious it is. Denny, have you ever had a Whatchamacallit bar? I think so. But you'd put the Whatchamacallit above like a, like, like a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup or yes. like a Snickers? No, yes. I mean, that's, that's madness. Don't, yes. even, don't even dignify that with... with I mean, uh, it's not even, it's not even a, a consideration. Like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are fine, but they've never been the kind of candy bar that I love. Snickers are fine. I really like Kit Kat, but um, no, Whatchamacallit beats them all. Hershey's also at some point introduced a thingamajig as sort of a sister candy of the Whatchamacallit. Also uh, didn't sweep the country with... Uh, Are you serious? They really had a thingamajig? Yeah, thingamajig. They may, I think they've since discontinued the thingamajig, but the whatchamacallit has been in, I believe, continuous production since 1978. So we just passed the 40th anniversary of the whatchamacallit. We probably could have uh, done, done a special pod celebrate. on it. Yeah. Okay, this, is, this comes, you know, uh, the, the, the header on this is singing in church, and it comes from the pastor of a church in Chicago, so he knows whereof he speaks. You asked for responses about singing in church, and what came to mind wasn't singing per se, but the lyrics that are projected on our screens. Our church, we don't get lyrics projected on our screens. Books with tiny, tiny print. That might be part of the problem. Our church is about nine years old, and at one of our very first Christmas Eve services, we were singing Silent Night. You probably know that the lyrics at the end of the first verse are Sleep in Heavenly Peace. The person typing in the lyrics must have had Christmas dinner on his or her mind because the lyric that was projected onto the screen was Sleep in Heavenly Peace. I'm a stickler for those kinds of things, so I died of embarrassment. I made a mental note to myself to change it, but of course, Christmas Eve is the only time you sing Silent Night, so I forgot about it. Sure enough, the next year, the same slide came up, and again, it said, Sleep in Heavenly Peas. I now consider this a bit of a tradition at our church, so I'm going to leave it and can't wait to see what other Christmas lyrics we can turn into vegetables. Maybe, what chard is this? Thanks for the laughs and entertainment you and Rebecca provide. Uh, This is from Christian. P.S. If there's no official ball and chain pastor slash clergy person, I'd gladly serve in that capacity. I've been a United Methodist pastor for 21 plus years. He's got the job. Christian, you've got the job as the official ball and chain uh, clergy person. What other vegetables could we could we incorporate in the Christmas songs? I don't um, know, but I do love that he has decided after being horrified the first year that it happened, that after it then happened a second year, that it's actually hilarious and absolutely should be left on the slide. Oh, I would go with, uh, th- 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 I can only think of foodstuffs. Agave Maria. Okay. You got, I guess, silence, like tumbleweeds blowing through the basement. Uh, away in a manger, W-H-E-Y. It's always best when you have to literally spell during a, a punchline. Oh, so. please tell us okay. more. I'm hoping for a little silent night, but that's okay. Well, I, I think I just got a silent night, if you know <laughs> what I'm saying. So this is uh, also on the church subject, um, Catholic mass participation and duration. Uh, this comes, hi, Rebecca and Steve. This is from Mary Beth in uh, New York. Mary Beth writes, recently my wife and I decided to register at one of our childhood churches that are within five miles of each other. 
During our decision-making, music participation, duration, and travel were hotly discussed. Ultimately, my wife won, and we now attend her church where the masses last longer, especially on holidays. The music participation is pretty high because of their, in quotation marks, wonderful music groups and cantors, and the travel time is less. I am regaled weekly with an out-of-tune adult choir, a cantor duo who perform with such showmanship that I finally refer to them as Siegfried and Roy, and always am disappointed when a white tiger does not appear, and an organist who loves to end every Gloria with a sweeping plagal cadence and undeserving cymbal crash. Plagal cadence? Am I, is, is it, is, am I pronouncing that correctly? I don't have any idea, but I love the way I, that I word do too. sounds. As a musician and amateur musicologist, my eyes glisten with unshed tears from the cacophony. However, I imagine those tears are perceived by the musicians as tears of joy. As a last-ditch effort in my failed plan to register at my church and a means to save my sanity, I demanded we attend my church once a month. Here, we're treated to a good old folk guitar or organ complete with songs in the folk ma- of the folk mass era, fast homilies, and a congregation of people who can carry a tune. I was also able to negotiate major holidays to be attended at my church since midnight mass service is 45 minutes compared to our home church's one hour and 30 minutes. In relation to the topic of the Catholic Mass, the second readings recently have come from the book of Revelations. I always giggled quietly to myself as I remember an old entry from Rebecca's The World According to Me. Rebecca explained The World According to Me. When WNBA.com first started and they were looking for content, I would write a regular-ish column called The World According to Me during the season and even in the off-season about the, my experiences and travels and whatever else had gone on. And so that was Well, the Mary Beth me. remembers that column, and uh, she remembers a specific column in which Rebecca mused about WNBA players signing their autographs with biblical quotes. A lot of people do this. They sign a, you know, John 316 yeah, with right. their autograph or something. Rebecca included a brief story in which she and Sue Wicks, your teammate and friend on the Liberty, pondered using verses from the book of Revelations when signing autographs. I could just imagine the look on anyone's face receiving a photo from Rebecca with her signature alongside a quote about seven-headed dragons and the devil. <laughs> this is Best from Mary Beth. This was why Sue Wicks is my favorite uh, WNBA teammate of all time, because I don't know if we were in the locker room and probably saw one of our teammates sign with a biblical verse or were on the road somewhere, on a bus, and, and eventually that's where it would lead us to talking about how funny it would be if someone signed their name uh, signed their autograph, and then with something from the Book of Revelation. We have to have Sue Wicks on <laughs> with, this podcast. Oh, gosh, do we? Yes. Well, our resident statistician and our friend Mark Simon writes in, a question for this week's show. I very much enjoyed watching the one-night remakes of All in the Family and the Jeffersons last week and was amazed at how relevant the stories were today. For people who don't know, they did, I think it was live, was it? Mm-hmm. Versions of All in the Family and the Jeffersons. This was just a couple of nights ago. I haven't watched them yet, but I, I recorded them. Is there a TV show, Mark asked, that you remember from your childhood that you would like to see a one-shot remake of? Denny, anything from your, your childhood? Uh, uh, Wizards of Waverly Place, perhaps? No, come on. Come on. <laughs> no, it'd be really cool to see a Home Improvement live remake. Even though That I would be. I know Tim Allen pretty much has that on Fox right now, but it's not really the same. I think one of the shows I loved as a kid was Different Strokes. Um, with Arnold and Willis. I think that would be a cool one to see yeah. remade. What about you? I, you know, for some reason, the first thing that pops to mind, I loved The Odd Couple as a kid, but that has been remade so many times that I think Welcome Back, Cotter springs to mind. A, a new generation of sweat hogs because All in the Family was Woody Harrelson and Marissa Tomei playing Archie and Edith. I you believe, know what would so. be interesting, too, would be The White Shadow. 
Oh, White Shadow remake would be fantastic. I think that, 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 but not as a one-off. Remake no. the series. Yeah, as a whole series. Yes. Jeff writes in last week. He mentioned a, a, a commercially shot while his child was while his wife was going into labor with Dick Butkus, Bob Euchre, and Bubba Smith. I said it must have been a Miller Lite All Stars commercial. In fact, he send a, sends a link. It was not. It was it was for Lipton's iced tea, and he sends a link to that commercial. I remember that commercial. Uh, Dick Butkus, Bob Euchre, and and Bubba Smith advertising. Lipton's iced tea. He also encloses a photograph here, Rebecca, of Azrae Stevens from 2017, a UConn basketball player. Meanwhile, there's a chance that Rebecca and the younger son, who who was born uh, at the time, were in the same building at the same time. He was a journalism major at, at Oregon in 2017 when UConn played Michigan State at Phil Knight Arena. He was there shooting the game. One of his shots is below, and here's a photograph he did of Azrae Stevens. I remember that game. That was the year that Azrae Stevens played for UConn. They played in the P2K or whatever it's called out there in the tournament. I was not there, but um, that was a lovely picture. Uh, Tina writes, hello, Steve and Rebecca. This is a note to you two, as well as the Ball and Chain Pod book club members. Every year, the Seattle Public Library publishes a book bingo card. She encloses it here. And it's uh, you fill this in, I guess, over your, for your summer reading of 2019. And there are various boxes. A book about music or musicians. And you fill that in when you've read it. A book about disability. A book suggested by a young person. And, of course, a book suggested by an old person. This book, this square actually says a book suggested by an elder. And she has written in Stingray Afternoons, Steve Russian. You and I both are the elders who suggested that because we are both older than Tina is. According to Wikipedia, Steve is technically an elder to me. Rebecca is also technically an elder to me by about 18 months. After months of listening to the podcast, I think we can safely say two of my elders have suggested we read it. Anyways, if you post a pic of my bingo card, I'm up for suggestions for the other boxes. I'm hoping the resident Canadians here can offer up some Canadian authors to fulfill my box by an author from Mexico or Canada, which is one of the blank boxes there. So, by the way, Ball and Chain Book Club, I just finished the book that is staying with me more more than any book I've read probably in the past year. And uh, it's called Say Nothing by Patrick Radden Keefe. It's about the troubles in Northern Ireland, but uh, told in a, a gripping uh, way through half a dozen main characters, and it is uh, it was just unbelievably compelling. And the title comes from a Seamus Haney poem that has the line, whatever you say, say nothing. But anyway, say nothing is the name of the book. Uh, lastly, and I think this was, uh, I, th- I had missed this email, this uh, viewer mail last week when I was going through viewer mail, and it was from uh, Ed, who uh, is really bugged by the use of words, we talk about business buzzwords, when, when a word like ask is used as a noun, oftentimes we complain about verbs, words, nouns becoming verbs, but when, when verbs become nouns, it's, it's just as bad. Uh, come on, it's grossly unnatural. It's a verb and it needs to be used as a verb, writes Ed. I guess in context, somebody would say, I have a, I have a big ask of you. Is that what they would say, sure, Rebecca? Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, I remember going away to college in 1975 and discovering that in some circles, party had become a verb. That one still uh, ticks me off. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, parties, it's like... Oh, it's definitely used yeah. as a verb. It's time to party. But, you know, the one that, that, that I don't like, I can't stand, and it's now become common practice. I saw it in a New York Times headline the other day, is the verb invite became the noun an invite. Why didn't I get an invite? There was a perfectly good word for that called an invitation, and it became an invite. You don't you don't care about that at all, do you, Rebecca? That one doesn't bother me one doesn't bit. bother you in the least. No. Speaking of college, writes Ed, I want to point out that as a freshman in 1975, my team, Yale, lost to Harvard in the last football game of the season. The last Yale drive came to a grinding halt when Yale's senior quarterback threw an interception to effectively end the game. That quarterback, 
Stone Phillips. <laughs> and that was his name. Pardon? Was that his name then? That's his real name. That's that was his, his real name, name then. You don't think you don't change your name to Stone Phillips to become a television anchor. You become uh, You would change it to become the Yale quarterback, Stone Phillips first. Your your name is that. If you if you're the quarterback at Yale who then becomes the the TV anchor and I love that Stone Phillips, like Wink Martindale, has become a touchstone on the podcast. If we could get Stone Phillips and Wink Martindale together for a uh, for a uh, a live show, a live show, or just a podcast special, I think I think we would have to hang it up after that. That would be as good as it gets. That's all I have, Rebecca. Do you have anything else? I have nothing else. Denny, do you have anything else? No. I was just thinking we should get T-shirts made for the podcast. You know the the I Heart New York logo, mm-hmm. but it would be D. Heart and Y. Denny with one N, the, the I Heart New York logo, but you take away the I and you make it a D. So the heart is the E. Turn the heart on its side, you know? So it sort of looks like an E. Does this make any sense to you? Never in my life have I lived in New York City, so it's a... Right, well, you, you don't... you don't. It's not New York City. It be, now becomes your name. D-E-N-Y. Oh, okay, the heart okay, is turned okay. on its side. Yeah. I mean, if there were an I Heart NJ... Come in, uh, come in the ballandchain.com. In the near future. Well, we, 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 from your from your lips to the ears no, of a... the custom T-shirt makers. Anything else, Denny? With one N. Thank you for coming up from uh, from the swamps of Jersey. Rebecca Tom, with one B. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.